This week on Blue 58, we find the silver linings after the Packers are shut out for the second time this season at Lambeau, tackle why Green Bay hasn't ran the ball more often, and we reminisce about better days. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the official podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm Gary Zillavy filling in for John Meerdink this week. For those of us who we haven't met yet, I'm the other half here at the Power Sweep, and I'm coming to you from the southern headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia. Like John, I'm also born and raised from Wisconsin, and I am hail from the great part of Appleton, Wisconsin, more specifically. I'm excited to be here and to chat with you all about the Packers, and so with that, let's dive right into the headlines. Our first headline, a forgettable night at Lambeau against the Vikings. Green Bay fell 16 to nothing in front of a national audience on Saturday night. And while the Packers gave the Vikings everything they had, the outcome seemed predetermined. I want to focus on a couple of positives and talk about some of the silver linings from this game, however small and insignificant they may be. Uh, first, the offensive line. Jason Spriggs, the game's starting right tackle for the Packers, exited the game after the first play, and he exited on a cart, head coach Mike McCarthy indicating Spriggs is likely headed for injured reserve with a significant knee injury. As a result, Justin McCray, then replacing Jury Evans at right guard, slid over to right tackle. Lucas Patrick comes in and fills in for McCray at right guard. And wouldn't you know it, the Packers' offensive line was a bright spot on Saturday night. While the stats don't really show it, it was a great game for the Packers offensive line against a very talented Minnesota front seven. This is one area of strength on this Packers offense as we head into the 2018 offseason where you look at the veterans the Packers have built up, McCray, Patrick, uh, Lane Taylor at left guard. They've done a really nice job replacing the uh, departed guards Josh Sitton and TJ Lang. Certainly one area where the coaching staff and front office is to be commended. The offense as a whole, though, not so much. Following Baltimore's shutout win at Lambeau Field, the Packers now have been shut out and their home turf twice. It's the first time that's happened since 2006, ironically Mike McCarthy's first season as head coach. As we swing over to the defensive side of the ball, the Packers uh, rank in the middle of the league with 35 sacks this season. However, I think that number's a bit misleading. If you throw out the seven-sack performance against a really second-string patchwork offensive line by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and a beaten-up quarterback in Jameis Winston, Green Bay's easily in the bottom five in sacks. As we key into some areas of, of need this offseason and we think about what the Packers are going to have to do to make it back to the postseason, consider this. The Packers rank 32nd in the league with zero sacks in the red zone. And if you expand that to just the fourth quarter, the Packers have only sacked the quarterback three times all season in the fourth quarter. Again, tied for dead last in the league. With more time to throw the ball It doesn't matter who the Packers have back in their secondary. 
Opposing quarterbacks have completed 67% of their passes this season. Again, that is the dead last mark in the league for the Packers defense. Additionally, the team is allowing quarterbacks to complete passes on third down 66% of the time. And I'll see if you can finish this for me. Also 32nd in the league. It's been a hard season and a hard second half of the year for the Green Bay defense without the band-aid of Aaron Rodgers to cover their weaknesses. Opposing quarterbacks have really torn apart this offense. And while Case Keenum didn't necessarily do uh, everything he could have done to put up big numbers against the Green Bay defense, it certainly was quite a difference in terms of a backup quarterback between Keenum and Brett Hundley. Hundley, making his eighth start of the season, led 12 offensive drives on Saturday night for the Packers and was unable to score a single point. While he did lead the team into the red zone once in the end of the first half, he threw a crucial interception that really killed the momentum, uh, any momentum that Green Bay had had towards even mounting a comeback in this game. Interesting enough to note, we did not see any of backup quarterback Joe Callahan in this game. McCarthy seemed to indicate after the game's end that Callahan would not be starting against the Detroit Lions on New Year's Eve. And it's hard to see why Callahan won't get an opportunity to at least run the offense for a few drives in the season finale. Hundley, at this point, is still an unreliable quarterback. At times, you wonder what the coaches are seeing in him in practice and in the meeting rooms where, as fans, we aren't seeing that. Is his work ethic so much that that the coaches just don't want to give up on him for fear of losing the locker room? Though, if you were watching Saturday night's game, there was some body language and some, some signs that I saw on other players where it looked like huh, it just had to be frustrating to see Hundley overthrowing receivers or uh, keeping his eyes down the minute he left the pocket. It's, it's going to be a long offseason for Brett Hundley as he evaluates uh, his eight-game or nine-game stretch after Detroit as starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers in place of Aaron Rodgers. While there are undoubtedly high marks for Hundley in in road games like the Pittsburgh game and in the Chicago game earlier this season, Hundley has a lot of work to do to be a more consistent quarterback and, and absolutely needs to play better at home. Hundley finishes with an NFL record for most completions without a touchdown pass thrown at Lambeau Field this season. Okay, enough about Saturday night's game. Let's talk about why the Packers haven't ran the ball more this season. This is a post that I had written for thepowersweep.com this week, and it poses just that question. Heading into Sunday's finale against the Detroit Lions, the Packers need about 80 yards on the ground, to just equal last season's total of rushing yards. It's an interesting trend that since Eddie Lacy's rookie season in 2013, the Packers have ran for fewer yards each consecutive season. In 2013, the Packers ran for about 2,100 yards, and heading into Sunday's finale against the Lions, 
Green Bay has ran for just over 1,600 yards, about a 500-yard difference. It's interesting to examine that 500-yard gap between the 2013 season and the 2017 season because they mark two interesting seasons, both years where Aaron Rodgers spent significant time on the shelf with a collarbone injury. So without their starting quarterback in 2013 for most of the season, the Packers turned to Lacey to run the ball, and just that he did, winning Rookie of the Year. This season, both Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones have had breakout rookie campaigns, yet the Packers' rushing yards just haven't quite been there. Why is that? Well, the easiest answer here comes down to play calling. Examining Mike McCarthy's trends as a play caller through his tenure with the Packers, McCarthy runs the ball 49% of the time when the Packers are leading in a game. He runs the ball 42% of the time when the Packers are tied in a game and runs the ball 35% of the time when the Packers are losing in a game. And if you haven't guessed it, the Packers have done a lot of losing this season. The Packers will likely end the 2017 season with approximately 60% of their plays run while trailing on the scoreboard. So that's a pretty significant gap in terms of opportunities to rush the ball. Compare the 2017 mark of 60% of plays ran while trailing to 2013, the last year Rodgers had broken his collarbone, the Packers ran just under half or 49% of their plays while trailing. So it's a pretty significant gap. Uh, and, and likely, you know, just looking at the numbers, Green Bay has missed out on about 180 rushing attempts. It's too bad because Jones and Williams have made a tremendous difference in the rushing game. And this is another bright spot to look forward to with a healthy Aaron Rodgers for the entirety of the Packers season. Entering last week, the Packers were the sixth best team in the NFL in terms of rushing yards gained per play behind really high quality playoff teams like the Kansas City Chiefs, the New Orleans Saints, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys, and I guess some team called the Cleveland Browns, but because they lose every game, they probably run the ball once or twice, right? It's a pretty interesting piece full of some visually appealing graphs and charts. So if you have a minute, hop on over to the Power Sweep and check that one out. Before we head into our main topic this week, I want to give a quick shout out to our Teespring page. If you haven't yet stocked up on Packers gear for the offseason, now's the time. The Packers are projected to have the 14th pick in the NFL draft, and while we don't have 14 different shirt designs on our Teespring store, you can find some of the most comfortable, luxurious t-shirts with some of the coolest designs this side of really this ocean, any ocean, anywhere in the world. On top of that, wherever you're listening to Blue 58, you can have a beautiful power sweep shirt delivered to your front door through Teespring. So hop on over to thepowersweep.com, click the shop button at the top of the page, and check out our wonderful designs. All right, back to the show. Blue 58, hit! Hello there, it's me, John Meerdink, your typical Blue 58 podcast host. Big thanks to Gary for filling in on the early part of the show. 
I got a bit of a throwback for you this week in terms of our main topic. It is Christmas or near Christmas and for Christmas my wife and I were up in Wisconsin right now coming to you from the exclusive uh, extra bedroom recording studio headquarters of the northern branch of the power sweep. Uh, It's really exciting to be actually back at my parents' house. It is very cold here in Wisconsin. Kind of got used to being in southern Indiana where things don't get down to zero degrees regularly. But it is very cold here now, and we are um, enjoying a little bit of time back in true Packers country. But had a chance today to speak with my grandpa. Uh, He is in his mid-80s, which means that he was in his uh, mid-20s when Vince Lombardi came to Green Bay. Uh, We talked on tape today about a variety of stuff, and we're just doing a a little bit of a compilation of some of his memories and and things that he remembers from growing up and and living his whole life in Wisconsin. And one of the things that we talked about was when Vince Lombardi came to Wisconsin for the first time in 1959. So enjoy that conversation. Uh, I'll be back with you here in just a couple minutes. You would have been a little bit younger than I am when Vince Lombardi came to Green Bay. Do you remember that? I do. Lyle Blackburn was a coach before and he was a loser and Lombardi came and the whole scheme turned around and became a success Mm -hmm. story and the Packers were really about to fold around 1958, 59, 60 and that's when they sold a bunch of Packer stock and got oh, some money yeah. together again to get the team on upward swing and Vince Lombardi came and the passion of the audience of the sports fan turned. You could get Packer tickets anytime up until then. In fact, after mom and I were married, we'd go to Milwaukee County Stadium and see a Packer game. We had no tickets. We'd walk in and buy a ticket at the ticket window and yeah. go and, and go to your seat, and after it started to get successful again, then all the tickets were bought up, and I guess it, from that time you had to get on a waiting list, which is pretty long to get a ticket. Yeah. So you would go to County Stadium. County Stadium mm-hmm. went to Green Bay sometimes. Yeah. Never when it was the old City Stadium. I know where it was and what it looked like, but. Never until they built the new stadium, which today's stadium is a far cry from what the original uh, Lambeau Field is. But we would go on complimentary tickets from vendors for the construction company and get great seats about 20 rows up on the 50-yard line. Uh, That was a great ticket to go to Green Bay. Were you you conscious of it growing up? What was, I mean, pro football was not what it is today. I knew what it was and I played neighborhood football. I had a couple of footballs myself, one Sid Luckman and one Johnny Lujak uh, football. And I I think probably the Bears were as much as a favorite as the Packers when yeah. growing up. But, yeah, I think uh, so. and, and it was different listening on the radio as watching it on a hmm. on a TV screen too. Yeah. So uh, that that whole thing came a long, long ways. As did the the game change, and the money involved in it. Uh, all of the all of the 
original Packers are on 60 at summer jobs. A big thanks to my grandpa, Glenn Meerdink, for stopping by this exclusive episode of Blue 58, holiday-themed, I guess we could call it, and our last episode of the year. While I've got you here, uh, I wanted to take a second and talk to you a little bit about supporting the Power Sweep. Uh, Gave you all the thanks last week. I guess now here comes the hard sell. We do need your help to keep this operation running, and we need all the help that you can spare to give us, and we have a variety of ways that you can do that. First and foremost, the best way to do it, just tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who will listen. Uh, If you get any value out of this at all, uh, we'd love to have more people be aware of the show, of the site, of everything that's going on with our operation here. And we are so thankful for you, to you, if that's what you choose to do in support of the Power Sweep. There's a number of other things you can do as well. Uh, Starts with rating and subscribing and reviewing our podcast on iTunes. That's still where most of our listeners find the show. And if uh, you can do your part and uh, let other people know uh, that you enjoy the show there, that would go a long way towards helping us. Uh, I hate asking people for money, but uh, Gary makes me do it each and the the hard-nosed business guy in this operation um and i I appreciate him for doing that because it it forces us to to actually interact with people about topics like this but if you if you would really consider supporting us via patreon or via teespring i think there is a lot of value to be had there and there's going to be some new stuff coming to the patreon page in 2018 we've got some big goals for that page and i think we're actually going to explore releasing some content via the patreon page so that's something that you're going to want to check out and of course if you donate a dollar a month for any amount of months you have 20% off or 25% off excuse me uh, from our Teespring merchandise for the duration of your relationship with us on Patreon of course you should check out our Teespring page you can get a link to it at thepowersweep.com uh, take a look at some of the designs we've got there and let us know if there's something that you would like to see if there's a, a, a variety of clothing or or uh, just a product that we don't offer that you would like to see, let us know. We would love to hear about it or or any other ways that if you would like to support the Power Sweep and we're not offering a means to do it via that, uh, we'd love to hear about that as well. But it is really important for you to continue to support the Power Sweep and all of you really have done a phenomenal job of doing so uh, throughout the life of this project so far. We're really excited for 2018. We've got a lot of stuff ahead and you're going to be getting some some stuff from us uh, fast and furious as soon as the holidays die down a little bit and we can get back to the the normal grindstone but i appreciate you listening big thanks to gary uh for helping us out at the top of the show getting things rolling this week uh it's really cool that he could do that and i'm really thankful that he did because with the cold here it really kind of put a damper on a lot of the plans that we had for doing this today and i did not have as much time to to work on the podcast as i thought i probably would around the holidays but i guess that's how things go and i'm really thankful that gary could step in uh when we asked him to so good stuff there and thank you for listening as well that's all i got for you this week uh be sure to continue to connect with us as you have on facebook and twitter and via email at the power sweep 1959 at gmail.com we do love getting your emails and interacting with people that way Uh, Like I said, you can support us uh, via leaving a review on iTunes, uh, giving us a a rating there as well. We love it, uh, and we love to see those reviews come in because it means a lot to us, and it always feels good to to see and hear that other people are listening to the show. If you'd like to support us financially, again, you can do so via Patreon and Teespring. That stuff by now, I say it each and every week. We love all the feedback you give us. Anything that you send our way helps us make Blue 58 and the Power Suite better. And all of us, uh, it helps us all become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we're all trying to be. For the last time in 2017, I am John Meerdink. I have been your host. 
I will see you next week. Thank you.